Do you want your money to go further? Then look no further. The Georgia Poll Podcast. Brought to you by BMO Private Wealth. No bias, just results. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is exciting. This is our first ever podcast. I'm Georgia Poll, investment advisor with BMO Private Wealth in Peterborough. We have an exciting show for you today. We have some exciting guests that we're bringing on, and we got a lot of uh, exciting guests lined up for future podcasts, so stay tuned for that. Um, we, For those of you that are not familiar uh, with our services, we are full-service investment brokerage. Uh, that is part of BMO Financial Group. For the Peterborough branch, we're actually located in beautiful downtown Peterborough at 311 George Street North. This is actually where we're recording the podcast today. Uh, for more information uh, about our services, you can follow along by visiting georgiapole.ca or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. That was my little ad read. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> For our podcast today, I, I made the title Brighter Days Ahead? Question mark. I think there's nothing more fitting. The fact that I don't know if we could get any more bleak than the conditions were in 2020. Um, that being said, though, uh, investments major indices actually ended the year a lot higher in 2020, uh, but I don't think that remotely comes close to telling the market's story for the past year. A roller coaster would be a fitting metaphor, or better still, maybe even a bungee cord. After a panic sell-off that pillaged equity markets in the first quarter of this year, markets staged a brisk and almost unstoppable recovery for the balance of 2020. The recovery in risk assets, I mean, it, it's, it's been absolutely insane and a lot of that has been spurred obviously by massive physical and monetary stimulus from uh, many uh, many governments and, and central banks and obviously in turn that has revived confidence in consumers and has led to some some solid economic recovery not only in uh, in, in consumer spending but also in corporate profitability with that being said stock markets were given even an additional boost uh, above and beyond the physical and monetary policy with impressive data, efficacy data from clinical trials for three COVID-19 vaccine candidates. Now, keep in mind, we're still waiting. As of the date of this podcast, January 27th, 2021 is when we're recording. We're still waiting for J&J's results for a one-time treatment, which in my opinion would be a huge game changer. Um, this positive data obviously is revived buying interest and in beating down groups such as retail, restaurants, travel, energy banks, and other credit sensitive financial companies. We've seen those type of companies rally heavily in December and, and into early January, um, obviously on the hopes of that mass uh, vaccination will happen at some point in 2021. And, and at some point in time, we'll return to our daily uh, normal life, <laughs> whatever normal will be going forward. Um, despite obviously the optimism for a return for you know our pre-pandemic lives, I do believe some uh, themes are going to be and continue to be uh, structural in nature. And some of the themes that I'm actually kind of looking for, that's kind of the approach that we take with uh, with our investments uh, uh, with with me, is that you know we try to look for thematic thematic plays. And, and our thematic plays for this year are obviously 5G communication investments. These types of investments uh, are only going to be more and more popular, especially with all the products coming out. They're going to utilize the networks. Uh, the requirement and demand for bandwidth uh, has been exponential, and I think that's going to continue to happen. 
My next investment theme would be distributed workforce. I think work-life balance has been something that people have been thinking about for a couple decades now, and I think that this has kind of exponentially exploded the idea and the thought of of what they can do. And technology has definitely taken a a sharp turn upwards. Um, And as I stated before, with 5G communication, as that gets rolled out and that becomes more prominent, I believe that the distributed workforce will continue to be something that is structural and change. The third point would be acceleration of travel. I've already talked about this a little bit, but you know, to, to quote the great Dave Portnoy, Davy Day Trader, um, you know, he, we fly in this country. This country obviously is just too big for us to drive, and I'm not knocking or bashing driving. Uh, if you have the time and the ability to do so, it's beautiful to do it and drive this country. But for the most part, a lot of people uh, have time constraints, and I think they'll continue to have time constraints. And uh, but at the same time, I believe that they're going to want to travel when they can make use of holidays. And especially, too, if, if you know you can kind of work remotely, they might take advantage of that a little bit more as well, too. So I'm not only just saying about flying, you know, that other there is other forms of what I'm looking at as well, too, such as, you know, travel by rail or Uber or, um, you know, cruise line and so on and so forth. But I think a lot of that destination travel and, and whatnot will come back eventually. And I, I would argue that it will come back, maybe not in full force in 2021, um, but I do believe that there will be an acceleration in the number of people of, of, traveling, of traveling because of the pent-up demand. The fourth point would be nesting phenomenon, demand for housing. You know, the mass exodus is going to continue. I, I strongly believe that, um, you know, people, if, now that they can kind of work remotely, and this kind of goes back to our distributed workforce, there, you know, here in Peterborough, we can see the effects of it alone, uh, just based on the, the value of cottages that happened this summer. And, and there's still no slowing down uh, from the market, as we'll hear here shortly. You know, it's it's been insane. And, and I think that that demand for, for housing um, will continue to happen because theoretically, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's it, it, it's, a, it's a structural issue and that it's a supply issue. And it's putting pressure on a lot of these uh, smaller municipalities, including one like Peterborough, uh, to rethink their developing plans and, and you know expedite that that um, uh, expedite those plans um, a lot quicker than they, they anticipated. Put it that way. Uh, the reindustrial the fifth point uh, reindustrialization of North America, and um, maybe better said, onshoring. So, you know, I think that's going to continue to be a play that is going to continue to play out into the future. Biden has already kind of come forth and said, although, even, you know, although he's going to have probably, I think, a better um, relationship with international partners, I do believe that, you know, he will continue to try and uh, put that America first policy in play, which is going to bring a lot more um, commitments of, of manufacturing into, uh, hopefully, into, into North America and create uh, a lot more jobs. So, with that being said, um, you know, before I get into our performance and, and what, you know, we do for our portfolio and stuff like that, for those that are not familiar, you know, I want to say Happy New Year uh, to everyone. I know I'm a little late on, on doing this. We had some hiccups with uh, getting the podcast podcast started, but uh, I truly hope everyone was able to enjoy the remaining days of 2020. Uh, and, and I hope that, uh, you know, we can look forward to brighter days ahead because I know I, I sure am. The uh, turning of a new year is always uh, usually met with optimism and hope, um, and that's really the, the approach I'm looking forward to bringing. 
um, and taking in, into this year. And, and I really suggest and hope that uh, that you do as well too. If there is one lesson though that 2020 has illustrated to us, it is that patience truly is a virtue. To be patient, you know, can be a tumultuous task in itself. However, being patient time and time again uh, has always been a money-making strategy for the most part. <laughs> I bring this to the forefront of this podcast uh, for the main purpose that it is a key component in our investment strategy. You know, investors may not see the value that you do immediately or that we do immediately in our portfolio. However, if you have conviction in the business that you're buying and over time, uh, you know, I believe that they eventually will as long as you've done uh, your right proper due diligence. For all of you traders out there, because uh, I know there's a lot of them now, uh, that is formally known as a catch-up trade. We've witnessed this phenomenon through uh, recently in, in high-flying stocks like Tesla, where a majority of the returns have been witnessed in 2020. Prior to that, kind of late stagnant and uninteresting into the naked eye. I, too, find myself falling victim to the contagious mental flaw of impatience. As per our early exits in Johnson & Johnson and General Electric, and that, that's one thing I want to be clear as well, too. I have no problem whatsoever telling people my mistakes. Um, a lot of people and a lot of advisors won't tell you those mistakes. And my my thing is, is being fully transparent. Um, and I do this mainly so that I can learn from my mistakes, as well as people that are following along and investors that can hopefully learn from my mistakes. And to be a clear, being impatient, you know, it's a natural human uh, trait. And it's nothing to be discouraged about when you're investing. Uh, it's just something that you have to work on and, and hopefully get better at over time. With that being said, I want to leave you with a quote. And I think we all know who this individual is. He is the renowned Warren Buffett. The stock market is a device for transferring money from the impatient to the patient. And I think no truer words can be said for 2021. And with that, I will get into how our portfolio performed for 2020. Uh, all of our portfolios ended up. Uh, stocks that contributed well for clients, our clients' portfolios included uh, many of the common tech names, such as Amazon and Apple. However, we also saw some significant air performance through names like Marvell Technologies, NVIDIA. Uh, we also saw some really good uh, performance in uh, the later stage of 2020 uh, through our entries in Boeing, Honeywell and DuPont. Uh, again, with a little patience, I believe strongly that our process will continue to deliver for clients uh, and, and well exceed clients' expectations in 2021. So, just a little bit further on to our portfolio because some of you might not be familiar with our process. Um, I believe we are defined by managing our investments through a philosophy that is disciplined in nature and is repeatable over time. And then those two words cannot be more emphasized and stressed disciplined, repeatable. This includes, but is not limited to, being long in companies that focus on strong free cash flow generation, and we focus on those that primarily are driven organically. So we want to see that free cash flow being driven from their operations, uh, as opposed to through mergers and acquisitions or through new issuance of stock or debt, so on and so forth. We tend to focus more heavily on mid and large cap North American stocks, and I know that there will be a time and place eventually where we will start to uh, increase our exposure to international stocks. However, back to our philosophy in that being disciplined and repeatable, we find 
this process to be a lot easier to do on many different names uh, within mid and large cap names within North America. Uh, and we believe that trend will continue to happen uh, going into the foreseeable future. And one of the last things that we focus on is targeting our volatility. Uh, risk mitigation is a huge proponent of our portfolio. Um, and, and that's usually done by, you know, having no large one-sided bets. You know, you're seeing some hedge funds explode right now because they made one large uh, side bet on uh, shorting companies like Game GameStop or Pit Path and Beyond or, um, you know, a handful of different other names that are being decimated by the retail investor or the Robin Hoodies, as they, they call them. Uh, with that being said, too, you know, I, I really want to stress on the main thing that we look at, which is we tend to see companies that are adaptable to their environment and are focusing heavily on disruptive technologies for the future. And I have a quote that uh, I read the other day, and I thought I'd use it for the podcast. Of the 500 largest U.S. companies in 1957, only 74 were still part of the select group, the S&P 500, 40 years later. Only a few had disappeared in mergers. The rest either shrank or went bust. And I think nothing can be said that's more um, more important about that in that look at the, the changes that have ha- happened in the S&P 500 alone within the last decade. This is an important part of investing in a company, and I think that's something that we're going to f- that we focus on quite heavily. And I think that's something that's going to be focused on a little bit more heavily going into the next decade. And um, I'm happy that uh, we've made this a very key proponent into our uh, investment philosophy. So, with that being said, let's roll into our first interview. All right, without further ado, I would like to introduce our next guest. He was born and raised from the small but mighty town of Peterborough, Ontario. He has held previous roles of account manager and small business owner. He is a trained corporate sales representative. He is a graduate of Georgian College and was touted to be the next Canadian golf phenom. He is one of the most well-known real estates in, in, in town and quite possibly the most interesting man on earth. Ladies and gentlemen... I present to you Patrick McCauley from the Patrick McCauley Group of Realtors. Hey, George. That's all uh, accurate. (laughs) Everything you said. (laughs) How are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. How about yourself? I can't complain. Can't complain. Good. You look dapper today. Oh, thanks. You too. (laughs) I wish they could see us right now. Yeah, you'll be huge (laughs) soon. You'll have video and all that stuff. Um. So, Pat, tell us a little bit of yourself and your team, for those not familiar, although I'm sure there's not too many people in Peterborough that don't know about you. <laughs> so, we are a real estate team out of Bows and Cox uh, in Peterborough. Bows and Cox has been around since, I think, 1956, one of the longest standing uh, real estate brokerages in our area, for sure. Um, we've been a team, I think, for almost three years now. I've been in the business for seven Um Maybe we've had the team a little longer. It started with Jesse Primo and I, uh, and uh, our assist, and we have an assistant. Uh, we've gone through um, and built up uh, into having uh, now three buyer 
agents and one listing agent being me, although the team can list uh, properties as well. Um, and we've got uh, three assistants, uh, one on mat leave, one that's studying for her real estate exams, and currently Laura, who manages our day-to-day, um, basically schedules us and keeps us in line. So basically the fastest growing uh, company in Peterborough. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you can We could say that if you want. I don't know how anyone would ever prove it hey, wrong, but... Just uh, remember when you're going to take this company public, eh? Remember where to come. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it, George. Um, yeah, no, it's a, a team. To me, teams are the future of real estate. Um, they can help. Really, we can help everybody service anybody to a, a very high degree because you've always got someone to pay attention to you. Um, and for agents out there who maybe are... Uh, finding the business hard, it's it's a nice cushion to be able to know that you're going to be provided leads and be able to go out and run around with customers and maybe not have the financial burden of marketing yourself and building yourself up and stuff like that. So it's a it's a pretty good gig. We've been we've been growing very quickly this year to where this past year 2020 was our busiest year um, as a team. Uh, we did very, very well in 2020, so we're hoping 2021 maybe adds another agent or so to the team, maybe two, and we can continue to build and provide service for everyone. So I love that. That, that kind of leads us to the next the segue to our next question of busyness, how crazy the housing market has been in 2020, and, and even for the first portion here, I'm sure you could attest to 2021. You know, right. Have you ever seen... Or witnessed, I guess, this this type of market in your career. 2017 was the busiest, uh, one of the busiest years to date for growth of Peterborough. Um, it pales in comparison to what 2021 was, or 2020, and what 2021 looks like it's going to be. Um, I'm fortunate enough that Bill Cox, who owns Bozen Cox, has become a friend of mine, and and we were chatting one day, and he mentioned that. He's never seen this this little amount of inventory in his life. So that's uh, that's a long time for a guy who's been in the business since his father started, hmm. Bosenkoch. So he said he's seen it the other way where there's not enough buyers and tons of inventory, but never seen it this sparse in inventory. And I don't know how that's going to... Um, I don't know. Until we start building more houses and allowing more subdivisions to be built, I don't know if it's if we're going to see this slow down anytime soon there's just not enough there's not enough it's way too many buyers and not enough houses to buy so you think so that kind of leads to the next question your forecast for the market going forward and i guess i guess you could say in general in, in canada or even you know more specific here peterborough yep um but you know that that's kind of how you see it kind of going forward you're going to continue to see this uh i think the only way to settle it down is if the city starts um finding land that can be used or moving projects along that are already in the works to get more inventory. Um, You're seeing it in Durham where there's not enough inventory there and they're being pushed out to Peterborough and we don't have enough inventory here. I would love to say to every single person who's ever listened, who's like your millions and millions of people who listen to your podcast, if uh, every one of you decides, let's just put your house on the market. Let's say, let's just say, 
10,000 of you in the city of Peterborough put your house on the market and it will it will flatten this thing out and, and slow it down. Uh, we just need inventory bad. The scary part for people is, you know, I put my house on the market, but then I'm competing with a million other people on every other house. So that's why I say this. Let's just everybody put our house for sale and we'll all move around and find a new place to live. <laughs> so... It is, you know, like you said, it is scary. So, like, what would you, what are some tips and strategies you'd give, you know, some of our listeners, the millions and millions of listeners we have, <laughs> uh, when making an offer? What would your, what would your? So it's, it's a hard one because our job is to represent our clients' best interests. So, to me, not just because there's twenty offers doesn't mean you have to go spend. Or put one hundred and fifty thousand over asking. You got to be logical here. What am I buying? And am I plan? If I'm planning on staying there for ten, twenty years, then yeah, I'll probably make out okay. Um, but if I think in five years I might want to sell again, you might not have that option in this market by right. by spending what other people are spending just to get into the market. So that that's the hard part. It's. It, 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 everything in like as you know it's everything in our society in general has got to be what what's your comfort level and what the, are you willing to are you willing to play the game that everyone else is playing because someone else is going to spend more money if you aren't the one doing it right so it's <clears throat> it's not ideal um, real estate Real estate is a, and you'd know this better than me, George, but real estate's a huge driver of our economy. So I don't see them hiking interest rates to slow it down because that would just, to me, it would probably bury a lot of people. Um, but just to your point, going in and and what you would do in competition, I think it always has to be your comfort level and how badly you need a place and, and how long you're willing to stay there. Yeah, and to that extent about interest rates as well too, you know, not only do, a, do, the, do the, would the would the debt itself probably bury uh, people if, if there was an incremental increase in interest rates, but the government also understands that you know Canadians are kind of unique in that um, a huge portion of their net worth is actually built and driven into their home, and, and that seems to be a lot of people's retirement plans uh, is to sell their homes eventually and, and downsize and move into something smaller. So. They are walking quite fine line, and, and I think to your point, yeah, I don't know if interest rates are going to be the thing that actually moves real estate to flatten out or decline because I think they're going to be very careful to, to, to that. So, yeah. um, so I mean, f- with regards to Peterborough, because I'm sure most of our listeners are going to be for Peterborough, but <laughs> <laughs> um, what, uh, what, like, who's, what's the biggest demand right now? Is it, is it cottages primarily? <laughs> And, and to that point, you know, where are the buyers coming from? Are they more local or are they... So I think there's some... I think there's... And I'm probably... I'm probably... Let's say I'm 75% confident in what I'm about to say. I think there's more Peterborough people moving around than people give us credit for. I think there's a lot of uh, stigma out there that Toronto people are coming with millions of dollars and they're stealing everything from us. Or, and I shouldn't say it that way. They're just outbidding us, in, 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 and we can't afford to keep up. And there's probably, like you said, there's, there's, there's definitely a degree of that. But I think there is just so little inventory that there still are lots of Peterborough buyers running around doing things, trying to find houses, and they're just now adding to the pile as the people coming from the city, who have more 
maybe maybe a little more money to to flex when they're at the table but um yeah i don't i don't know i think the city's the city's bound to grow um when you're in durham and you're up against 40 and 50 offers and you just have to come down here and compete against 15 or 10 then it seems a lot less daunting i think so uh you're maybe you're more apt to spend uh what this maybe you'd maybe you'd even spend the same as what you'd spend in durham in peterborough if even if the houses aren't at that level yet but just so that you can get a house right and maybe that's what people end up doing but i've got <clears throat> our team's got majority of local people who are looking with us i mean we've got we've got people from out of town who definitely are looking around but i'd say the majority of our people are to i guess whatever you call locals whether it be here for the last five years or 10 years or forever years whatever um we've got our fair share of I guess, quote unquote, locals that we work with. So, I love that stat. Uh, I'm 75 percent confident. 60 percent of the time works every time. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we talk a lot about residential, but you know, I being downtown and you also being in the downtown core, you do see a lot of places up for lease or for sale. Um, you know, what's, what's your take on the commercial real estate right now in, in, you know, locally and, and I guess across the the country? I think locally commercial wise, I think people, if they, I think if you were to, I personally think if you were to start a business, it sounds ridiculous, but if you were to start a business or want to grow your business into Peterborough and you were a retail store or a restaurant or something like that, it seems silly at this point. And during a pandemic and a lockdown to say um, that it's a good time to get into it. But I think it probably is because you'd have landlords who just want to fill the space. So maybe you can negotiate with them a good rate. Um, and and this, I hope, is not going to last forever. So hopefully maybe there's a couple more months of this and then we're allowed to go back into stores. Maybe there's just one more month and we can go back into stores again. So I think that people should look I mean, we've done a bunch of leases lately of new businesses coming and, and businesses moving to different uh, locations and, and businesses that are doing well. So if we keep on this thing where we support locally our businesses, then maybe it's a good time to get in and start with the online model. And then when things open up, then maybe you can you can be right in the thick of things. Because our downtown, we've got a bunch of really good developers who are going to are taking lots of pride in our downtown and making it into a place that uh, people should feel safe and want to shop and, and hang out and go to restaurants. We do have some of the best restaurants in per capita. I mean, uh, the most restaurants per capita than a lot of cities our size. So we've, we've, we've got already a lot of reasons to come downtown. I think it's just um, commercial-wise. I think maybe we'd, it's... If some people are ready to take a plunge, maybe maybe now's the time and just see if you can make it work over the next couple of years or five years or forever. Yeah. So pertaining back to your business, uh, now that we're on the commercial side of it, what uh, obviously there's been a lot of changes in real estate, uh, especially 2020. Yeah. Um, you know, how has your business been adapting to the change and in, in conducting your business and do you see these changes as as a temporary thing, or is there more structural change? Um, I think I've got theories. I think that human beings like to get out, they like to touch, smell, feel things. 
Um, they like to go into a house. I've said that maybe my daughter, who's 10 months old right now, maybe in 20 years, she just goes on a virtual reality app and walks through the house and does, has no need to ever even go into a house. Obviously, she can look at houses anywhere in the world and walk through them and be like, yeah, that's the one for me. I like it. I still think it's a human being thing, though, to want to walk through and sit like... Like I said, smell and touch and, and feel and, and feel the, the I guess the vibe you get from the place, and I don't think I don't see that changing forever uh, in a permanent way because of the current reality we live in. But there are lots of people doing virtual walkthroughs. I mean, we have to be very safe with people, um, so we follow all the protocols you're supposed to in in something like this. Very important because you're entering other people's homes and you're with potentially strangers so you have to be take uh you have to take that into consideration but i think that as far as things changing for good i think i think a lot of things that'll change for good will be making things easier on people like like it is in lots of different industries if you can have a walk through a house virtually and and save the time of going on uh, i can tell from i can tell right away that's not for me and doing it on doing a walkthrough on your phone or whatever, then that may be a shift that people start taking. So they're not looking at a million different houses. They just look through virtually and then they pick one they like and go see it for real. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, what what we'll probably find out of this is that um, is that there is ways to streamline uh, things as opposed to getting in a car and looking at 20 houses. But those st- I just still think there's going to be lots of people that just want to go there and look at it for themselves. Yeah, I think you're right with the technology side of it. It's definitely going to create things and be uh, more efficient for clients, and that's something that we've seen in our industry as well too. Is right. you know whether it's signing documents or making yeah. amendments or adjustments, it's just it's been a lot easier um, that side of it. And I think like the I don't know about you, but most people I found that you said that um, like easy things like using e-signatures and stuff like that. I've found most people like 99 percent are all for that stuff once they understand how to use it it's we just live in a generation now where people are like okay get it to me i want to sign it bam bam and then get it done quick and um that's that's something that has been in our industry for a while now but it's it's not going anywhere for sure it'll still it'll just grow so have you um keeping on technology yes uh obviously there's been a, a huge increase um, and I don't know, I guess you would have a better say on this than I would because I don't really follow this side of the, um, the business that much. But, you know, th- th- from what I've seen and witnessed, um, there's been an increase in competition from some online platforms. And I know that real estate agents themselves are starting to have a lot more online presence. I know you do a great job of, of doing that through social media and, um, you know, just the layer of your website and that kind of th- just making, again, like you said, things more um, easy for clients. Right. So, have you seen increased competition from any online platforms like Purple Bricks or anything like that? <clears throat> um, I think they've always existed in one way or another. I think there's probably a space for those types of uh, companies, ones that are strictly virtual. They don't have offices. They don't. Uh, maybe they have an agent who you talk to on the phone or something. But I think there's a. I think there's definitely always going to be a portion of the market that that um, sees value in saving the money that you would for using a real estate agent. But I think most people, if I think most people want help on things they don't understand and that's the way it should be. You should be able to say, I, I, I don't, I don't 
know how to trade stocks. I could go on YouTube and do that, but uh, do I want to do that with my money? I, I I'd rather call you and say, can you make sure I'm going to be okay here? And then, yeah, I have to pay a fee like everything else that is a professional service, but it's it's worth it when I don't have to worry about things at night. I don't, so real estate's no different. I think lots of people... They say, oh, I, you know, I, real estate's hot. I don't want to have to pay an agent. The one thing that people forget is we're the ones who have all the buyers. So we're pretty valuable in a way that just putting your house up on Kijiji or on one of these platforms, um, you miss out on potentially agents who maybe they don't have time to look at Kijiji for houses and they've got the buyers and their buyers are going through our uh, traditional um, uh, our traditional um, pipelines, I guess, and they they may not ever see your house. So, so I don't know. It, like I said, I'm not going to disparage anybody who decides to go that route because I don't know why not. If you think you you want to try it, you can try it. But it's it's much more of a pain. I think you'd realize quick the, the stuff that we have to do day to day to day as far as managing a listing. Um. That you when when you got in the thick of it, you might go, man, this is I've already got a job, a family. I don't have to think about booking these appointments and doing this and doing that. So, so I don't know. I I don't see much of a difference as far as online um, brokerages go, just because I think there's a spot for all of us. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Even from our industry as well, too, you see a lot of competition on that end, and you know a lot of people don't. I think it is the peace of mind. That, that really hits home with, with clients. But also, you know, some clients enjoy doing it themselves, but at the end of the day, you know, you also have a job that you have to do, you know, yeah. however, however, however long you work, eight right. to 12 hours a day. Plus, then you go home to your family. Like, the last thing you want to do is, you know, be worrying about having to set up showings or yeah. selling your house or... Right, or, or even trying to trade some stock that you, stock, you yeah. sit there, you have to research for yeah. three hours and then... Or even try to trade stocks during while you work. Like it's yeah. just it's not feasible a lot of the times, and people don't realize. Like similar to your aspect of you know having the buyers, you know we have a lot of firsthand information that people don't really realize on our back end, and right. we put a lot of time and effort. And uh, at least I do. Like yes, there are some people that don't, and similar to real estate, every industry is going to have that. Yeah, but yeah, it's to that effect. You know, there's a lot that more that goes on behind the scenes than than what you um, perceive, and and you know. But by all means, yeah, absolutely. If you, if you want to try it out, right. I, I think there is a place for, for that aspect of it in, in all industries, to be honest with you. Yeah. And there's there's it's different strokes for different folks. There's lots of people out there. I'm a kind of person where I would way rather pay a fee, even if it's a larger fee, if I know the person's really good, yeah. that yeah. I, that I can just say, here, I don't care. I don't want to think about it, though. You This is your thing, and you call me only if it's something that I need to know and I that's the kind of personality I have but not everybody has that and and so I can see like you said I can see there's everybody fits in someplace yeah um so you have a podcast yourself we do I know you've taken a, a bit of a break on that but hiatus of sorts yeah <laughs> but uh why don't you uh tell the listeners a little bit about that podcast well when you're expecting to get it back on well once the lockdown's done we've had to move studios our man cody may over at studio ptbo um he's not taking us on anymore yeah he's not taking <laughs> us on anymore as far as 
podcasts go. They've moved in a different direction and aren't focusing on podcast space anymore. So we've been kicked to the curb, basically. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, we, we've we've we took the hiatus once the pandemic thing started, and and Mark and I have been both. Uh, I had a baby in March, so we haven't really had any time to get back at it. But we're going to dust off the microphone and come out of retirement here probably February, hopefully, if lockdown's done and we can go out to uh, different places. And I mean, you and I are lucky because we're probably sitting like 12 feet away from each other right now. So it's it's easy in your space, but in the space we were using, you couldn't really, it just wouldn't be right for us to to be that it was just it's just wasn't right so we've got a new space um and they're going to open back up um when everything else settles um but um yeah no it's called the million and macaulay podcast it's with my really good friend mark million mark mark and i went to high school together and we're both agents at bows and cox and uh we're i guess uh i don't know i feel like we must have got to like 70 or 80 um 70 or 80 uh uh episodes i can't remember but a lot um and we got up to i don't know it was like six six point five million listeners uh that we've got right (laughs) (laughs) minus like i don't know i'd say on average like my mom listens his mom listens (laughs) so yeah, it's, but it's really fun having guests on and things like that. So, yeah, the Million and Macaulay podcast. We'll be back at it in February, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, it's fun to do something on the side like that and be able to talk about real estate, but also talk about other non-real estate-related things and take jabs at each other and have some <laughs>, laughs. So uh, I'm going to pump your brakes a little bit here, too, because, uh, or I guess not pump your brakes, pump your tires. Pump my tires, yeah. <laughs> Pump your brakes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Get that on your you pedestal. Didn't, you didn't. You didn't have any yeah. episodes. <laughs> Six point three million lists. Yeah. Um, no, uh, you uh, you recently just got a award again, a repeat. Yeah, actually, George, you're right on top of things here. Um, our team, myself, I was top producer at Bose and Cox for uh, in twenty or in twenty nineteen, and now in twenty twenty, um, we had a fantastic year. The team really. Uh, pulled a lot of the weight this year and especially in the circumstances in 2020 that um, we had that for us to have an even better year than we had uh, the year before and I, it's an honor to be part of the list of uh, agents who have been number one at Bows and Cox over the years. Some very, very well-known names have come out of Bows and Cox and been top producers there so it's nice to have my name on the trophy uh, one more year at least so it's pretty it's it's nice when your hard work pays off and uh just one last question here we'll, we'll wrap it up okay. um being a former pro what's the number one tip you can give those golf listeners that- <laughs> well let's be clear i didn't end up actually going to get my card that was my that was my um what do you call it? My uh, fork in the road. Where am I going to stay in golf, or am I going to try something different? And I was at the Royal Ottawa Golf Club in uh, Elmer, Quebec. It's just on the other side of the bridge. Yeah, you can look across the bridge into Ottawa. It's the my favorite golf course in Canada. Um, Paul Carruthers, still the pro there, a, a huge influence on my 
on young Pat's life. Uh, if he would ever listen to this, I hope he would. Um, I hope he'd have a smile that he influenced me so much. But he, he kind of was guiding me, and it was I, I'm either gonna have to go play in and get my card, or or go because yeah, he was helping me kind of with some uh, getting into sales and stuff like that. Maybe taking a different uh, direction. So he he was very influential on me. So I didn't end up actually going to try to get my card. Um, but, uh, man, going to school uh, for professional golf management, that was, you know, we, we'd all kind of make fun of us. for That's the course we took in college. But, man, it was, it was a great experience and got to learn about the golf industry in and out and how brutally hard it can be at times. But, um, yeah, it's quite, uh, it, it, I, I guess... I guess now that I'm playing again a lot more, um, it'd be nice to see how good how good I could get again. Like maybe I was when I was a younger guy. <laughs> I'll take you up on that. We'll go uh, swing the sticks. That sounds good. Once the snow, actually, hopefully, hopefully, when all the lockdowns end, maybe we can go to the virtual one. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be pretty cool. But, but anyways. Thank you very much, Pat, for coming on today. Thank Who's you, the- George. This is a, this is a, you're going to do well in this podcast. I know you got some famous buddies. You can probably wheel in here and. <laughs> well, I got some. I, hey, listen, I got some. Uh, I got some stuff lined up. Don't you worry. Yeah. I was going to say, like, who said I could land a big fish for my first one? Right. <laughs> one of the biggest guys in town. Yeah. Right? So, so you're going to find a big fish and make him number one, and I'll bump down to seven or something. I'm actually going to launch this probably in June. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just launch it someday when people don't understand why we're talking about a lockdown. Yeah. Like 2028. Yeah. What lockdown are they yeah. talking about? Are they talking about the Spanish flu? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Well, thanks a lot, George. It was, re- it was really fun. I appreciate you having me on. No problem. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. See ya. That concludes our podcast for today. Thank you very much for everyone for listening. You can follow along with new podcasts uh, by following... Myself, George Rapol, on Twitter and on LinkedIn. You can also check us out at www.georgerapol.ca. Thank you very much, and until next time.